Gentleman, who is co-founder and CEO of AbilityMap. Uh, which is a very interesting company, and uh, Mike is a super interesting guy. And uh, we've had a couple of conversations now offline, uh, just between the two of us. And I frankly cannot believe how much ground we've covered so far. Um, as our viewers know, we've been covering, you know, concrete and a uh, concrete and abstract HCM. You know, what are the uh, hard benefits, the soft benefits, strategic, tactical, but also we've been talking a lot about artificial intelligence and blockchain. I mean, the future of work. And I think the future of work is really where Mike uh, slots right in here. So, Mike, if you want to introduce yourself to our audience and just, you know, we'll start talking about this stuff. I know that we we probably won't even have enough time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Thank you, Brent, very much. Uh, good day, everybody. I'm, uh, I am uh, San Francisco origins, uh, living in the mountains above, outside of Sydney, Australia, and we've had some rains the last couple days or last couple weeks. So I had some connectivity issues. So welcome to the bush of Australia. That's where we're calling from. Um, as I said, Love from it. San Francisco originally. Grew up in the HCM tech space starting in 1999 with a very cool company called Digital Think. We were arrogant, smart companies got it was our tagline. Um, and uh, yeah, I came down here in 05, hooked up with a pretty amazing gentleman who was answering, who showed me the answer to a question that I'd had for a long time. So um, yeah, living the dream, riding the rail, Brent. Fantastic. Yeah. How could I forget to mention to the viewers that you are on, in Australia? Uh, so we're we're <laughs> actually seeing the we're seeing the future right now, literally. Um, uh, it's Friday over there. It was Thursday late in the afternoon, my time. Um, I'm just in plain old U.S. East Coast. Nothing special there. The <laughs> <laughs> rich background. Um, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so where to start? Okay, let's talk about psychometrics and what it means we have so there's a there, there's a conundrum a dilemma that's that's been persistent for years just mm -hmm. a very long time essentially as long as we've had hiring and you know, the hiring of people yeah. uh at least in the professional realm but also also for our hourly jobs as well where we just don't understand we think we know as individuals uh, what we need but we've learned over time that that what we think we need isn't necessarily what we actually need. And there's quite a bit of variance and it leads to a lot of um, inaccuracy and in, in in hiring and a lot of the rest of the employee life cycle. So without being too cryptic here, I want to kind of give you a chance to to uh, sort of elaborate on that, because I think that really gets to the crux of um, of what of what you're all about, Mike. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, it, it, it obviously ties to sort of the lived problem that Kev Chandler, my co-founder and partner, uh, came together to solve. But maybe what I'll say is, you know, I've been in the HCM tech space since 99, and I will say we do a bloody good job of figuring out the hard and technical skills that people need to have to accomplish and effectively deliver in certain work areas. The piece that always mucks us up and after you've made a hire more frequently than we like, you know, three, six months later, you go, ooh, that wasn't right, right? 
Yeah. It is the it is the underlying human capabilities um, called transferable skills and also previously called soft skills that are the things that we as leaders have always tried to, you know, just figure out, do our best. We've all done our best, but our research showed and a lot of the research shows that about a third of the time we keep getting it wrong. Um, and interestingly, the area that you mentioned, you started with psychometrics, behavioral evaluation, cognitive evaluation has been around for a long time, yet this big chunk of a workforce not being predominantly in the right role. When we hire somebody, it's because we like them, right? I mean, we go through the interview. If I'm good at interviewing, you're good at interviewing. Hey, I like these guys. We make the decision. But again, about a third of the time, you know, six months down the road, we go, oh, heck, we, you know, <laughs> That, that didn't yeah. quite work the way I thought it was. So, so yeah, so I think Oops. that, you know, putting some, putting some rigor to help uh, us make better informed decisions um, uh, on top of all the good things that we've done in, a, in HTM tech of identifying the, 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 the hard stuff, but that, that middle ground, that cloud is what's been, been you know, buggering us. And, and that's what we set out to solve is how do you, accurately identify the capabilities, human capabilities, the transferable skills that are really critical to somebody functioning in a culture, in, a, in an environment such as management or customer service or a specific role. You start with that, it's like Moneyball, right? You start yeah. with that and then you, you play your team to those strengths. You gotta figure out the team's strengths. And so that's what Ability Map is, basically Moneyball for, for, for our HCM space. <laughs> I love that. I love that. One thing. One thing I want to get back to here that you mentioned that's that's um, intriguing to me is you know sometimes sometimes I'm trying to figure out okay who are the nefarious characters or maybe they don't realize they're being that way but they're sort of holding us back right in the in the ecosystem of of um, you know of of work right. Why do you think we focus so much on the hard skills, getting getting that right? But we've we've kind of, I mean, there is the um, the MBTI, which I know is loaded with a bunch of baggage and all that. It's not really that accurate. Um, but why why have we? To my mind, it seems like there's been less of a of a uh, of an urge sense of urgency around figuring out whether there's a cultural fit with people i mean you're seeing a little bit more of it now it seems to be emerging sort of surfacing as a more important issue today but for so long it's been kind of in my you know just in my uh, observation it seems as if it's been kind of just sort of discounted and oh yeah 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 well that's uh you know we got to worry about this other stuff first uh, and, and what you're saying is that it's it's actually right up there it's at the same level um it's super I, I actually think i actually think it's at a higher level so i'll give you okay. my i'll give you my arrogant perspective on it and it's not self-serving because i've raised my family bought a house on on the current hcm stuff um the fact is the hard skills and technical skills are easier to do than the soft skills the transferable skills so if you're trying to run a business and you know you can knock down a lot of stuff for the last 20 years, that's predominantly what we've been doing. Don't get me wrong, there's, I mean, I'm not saying it, uh, well, I'm not, I'm, you know, people are getting close to it, this and that, but the subjectivity and bias of determining, A, what's required, the demand, 
and B, what's available, the supply is absolutely clouded by subjectivity and bias. And you throw in the tools that are coming out with AI, this machine learning, that it's, it, you know, now we're letting the, now we're letting the bots do it without a reference base of high quality evidence. Cause we've never touched the reference base of high quality evidence at scale. Right. Cause I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, does that make sense? So no, it I, does. Yeah, I, it I, does. I, I think, I think we, you know, we're humans, right? You know, you go the, most people go the path of least resistance as in terms of, you know, if you look at HR, HR started in payroll, numbers pay, numbers pay, right? Then we move to, then we move to, hey, we need to get into developing people. Okay, well, what skills do they need? Well, the ones that we can quickly measure, development pay, development pay, are the hard skills, the tactical skills. Boom, boom, boom. We start nailing it, right? Universities yep. are based on hard skills, tactical skills. Here's the course things that you need to do. Predominantly, I'm, there are a number of generalizations we're making here, but I think, I think you know. The, so the second point is, I think COVID slapped us all in the face and woke us up. And I can't tell you the change in uh, in market demand that we've seen as a result of companies going, oh my gosh, I have no idea of the capabilities. We call it a capability balance sheet that are existing in my workforce um, around these human skills because they're the ones that matter. We talk about resilience. We talk about culture fit. We talk about you know um, whether people fit to that. We've, we've never been able to quantitatively measure that effectively. Okay. Mm. At scale, it's a, it's required us to engage experts, consultants, a expensive B can't scale it globally. It's caused yeah. us to train our people up internally to interpret psychometric assessments and to interpret what's required for the jobs in the language of whatever the psychometric assessment is saying. It's hard, man. It's hard. Yeah. And so we just, we, we felt that this needed to be cut through hard and fast. Um, to get to the tactical things in which you can affect capability development in these human capabilities transferable because that's what's been missing. And what happens is it optimizes all the killer infrastructure that we already have in place. It, it optimizes how you train and develop. It optimizes how you onboard. It optimizes how you performance develop somebody. It optimizes the career pathing that you have available. And of course, if you got to make a new decision and hire somebody, make a better decision because you know now, not only the hard skills, we've done a great job, technical skills, we've done a great job. Well, now we're starting yeah. to get insight into the human, human skills, the ones that actually matter as to how we work with each other. And if you look at people like, you know, like Josh and, you know, Bollinger's on this stuff now, and um, he's been on it for a yeah. while, actually. But, you know, people, people are saying, hey, you know what? These, these, these human, inherent human capabilities are really important because that's what people automatically pull from to play, right? We can mm -hmm. do the hard skills for the most part, in, you know, like I may not be able to become a data scientist because I don't have the cognitive, the, the core intelligence or not, but about everything else, I can learn if I have to, how to communicate. Mm -hmm. I can learn if I have to, how to listen. I can learn to work better with others. I can learn to set goals. Those, mm -hmm. are, all, those are all skills that can be developed, yet if we don't know where someone inherently sits, you know, how come we're sheep dipping them in, in you know, yeah. in training? You don't know which uh, you end up being you're just blind. You don't know. You just kind of throw a bunch of stuff up on the wall and see what sticks in terms of learning. And even what in and, and what sticks still might not be 
what you need from that person, right? And you may be able to get that person to learn what you need, but you need to know what they need to learn first. I want to just back up here. It's yep. um, very, very interesting here. Is, is, so first of all, this is sort of the lighter point here is that all the stuff that you met, all that other stuff, yeah, it's super solid. It's yeah. it's it's found it's 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 rock solid. It's there. We we got it. And okay, now let's figure out the human the human piece of the puzzle, which which is so funny that the human piece of the puzzle is the last piece of the puzzle <laughs> that we really kind of focus on. It. Who's working? The humans, right? Okay, so so. If you yeah. think of the mat, but you think of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and and you know, I know it's a little bit of a tired trope, but but I love it because okay. because really, you think about the, the the chronology of this. We actually are at sort of loosely analogous to self-realization right now in terms of in terms of employment, right? Where we're finally getting to this point where we can focus on the people's sort of uh, deepest innermost desires and in, in their work. What's interesting also about what you mentioned, what you talked about just then is, yeah, we started with payroll. Obviously, we started with payroll when we started employing people. That was the simplest thing. It was the first thing and also the simplest, most straightforward thing to that would come to mind in terms of employing somebody. Somebody, it was a, a, an exchange of you know, labor. You I'm, I'm with you now, actually. If you, so if yeah. you look at Maslow's hierarchy, right? Payroll yeah. was needed to hit the first level. I agree with that. Yeah. 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 Okay. And I like we, that. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> I got a, a convert here. So um, um, I'm starting a movement, hopefully. Um, or, or maybe I'm joining yours. Who knows? Uh, but in any, anyway, right? There's, so we, we've gotten that point. Now, with the thing that you've done and the thing that's super important here, I think, is that it has been the impediment. Is that okay? The human stuff. You're right. The subjective stuff, the soft skills, that's tough. It's really tough to figure those out. It's challenging, right? And so, so there's this, this. Um, I think there's this uh, reflex to not want to think about them, yeah. right? Say, so, oh yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. We're not going to think about this stuff. We're going to do all this other stuff because it's actually easier to think about, right? And now we've gotten to the point where we. No matter how tough it is to think about, we have to think about it because it's essentially the last thing to think to think about. And but what you've done that's so that what you've mentioned that that's so important here is that you've made it in a way you've made it you've recognized this and we've, we're making it more straightforward. Yeah, actually, let me. There's there's two really interesting points, and I do dig. I got a I got a noodle on that Maslow's hierarchy thing because I think I like that a lot. Um, nice. Okay, so let me tell you what caused me to realize how big an issue this was in about 2002. Okay, so um, I was working for arguably one of the best companies I've ever worked with called Digital Think. We basically built e-learning content and delivered it. And the way we went about doing it was bringing some really, really smart, great, cool people into a business where they'd look at a particular function or job or culture and say, hey, in order to operate here, these are the capabilities that need to be developed. We called them competencies back then. We'd build learning objects, learning content to develop those competencies. We'd deliver it and go, woohoo. All right. Now, what happened is I was running the existing clients. And so um, I'd go in and often, often work with my team to um, get the people that had the budget to buy more. Right. That was what we did. 
And I kept getting these questions from predominantly CFOs and they'd go, there was something like this. They'd go, Mike, um, I appreciate what you guys have done. We bought a lot from you, but I, I don't know if the capability, how do I know the capabilities that you guys are saying need to be developed to do whatever it is we're setting out to do in the projects um, are actually the ones that drive performance. You've given me no evidence. Right. You got smart people, but you're giving me no evidence. First thing. And then they go, well, and even if I accept that those are the capabilities, how do I know there's a problem in my business? You've given me no evidence, right? right. And if I do know there's a problem in my business, how do I know where it is so I know how much to give is what you're selling me? He goes, you've given me no evidence. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so those three questions, quite frankly, if you go to most CFOs or people that are spending bucks, evidence, evidence, evidence is what we're all doing based on data. And that, with all due respect, I think is largely missing in this area today. And it's a problem because if you go look at Bollinger and you go look at Bearson and you go look at people who are the, the, the visionaries, the, 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 the thought leaders in this space, they're saying, hey, guys, COVID has showed us that when the environment changes, okay, when the environment does a wholesale change, and we could not have had any bigger change, hopefully, um, than what we've just <laughs> gone through or what you guys are still going through. If you don't understand the inherent human capabilities that are required to work in that environment, then you're not optimizing these killer systems that we've been doing, the decisions that we're making for your unique business. That's the issue. So define what you need, understand what you have, and then you can identify what you want to improve your performance. So that's the first thing. The second thing that I'd say is that the really cool thing, have you looked, you, you know our logo? If you look at our logo, yeah. it's yin and a yang, right? Why yeah. is that? Well, you want to know what this, this is why I agree with your, uh, your Maslow hierarchy thing, realization. If you think about it, the best scenario, the yin and the yang are productivity and job satisfaction. Mm. Okay? So if we yeah. identify people's, if we identify the capabilities that are required for performance in a given role, environment, or culture, check, we do that, right? Yeah, we can find the people and groups of people that have the strongest inherent capabilities to those requirements. If they have strongest inherent capabilities, you know what that means? They dig it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So now you've got people mm -hmm. who dig doing what a business needs. That's pretty yeah. cool. I mean, in essence, yeah. that's what we're doing. You're optimizing culture. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, culture, you know, we talk a lot about culture. Here's our view on and this isn't my view. This right. is my partner mm -hmm. who's the scientist and he helped me understand this capabilities. Sorry, let me back up. Behaviors are behaviors. We've been measuring them forever, okay? Aggregations of behaviors make up whether somebody has an inherent capability, right? That's how people operate in a business based on what their strongest behaviors are. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, great. What's a culture? A culture is an aggregation of how people, um, what people do, how they behave in an organization, right? Yeah. There's no other way. You can say it's this, but if your team behaves this way, that's your culture over here, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not what you're presenting to the outside world. It's not what you want it to be. 
you can you can try to influence it and that that's been done but what it is in the present moment is however your workforce right. is is behaving i agree 100% so if 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 i if you had a you know a 5000 person company and i came in and i established a catalog of that organiz of that team's uh, strongest inherent preference capabilities right and I said, across these 5,000 people, Brent, here's what you got strongest in common. Would you reasonably say, shoot, that's my culture? I almost said, I almost said a, a swear word there. You see how, <laughs> how well I'm doing here? Okay. <laughs> Australia it would have been okay. Australia has taken me down the slide a fair bit. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, you would have broken the seal for HR Tech Chat, but that's <laughs> and okay. it would have just come. I'm still okay. I'm still okay. <laughs> But do you see that if you, you got, so yes. So what yes. happens is, so think about that. If you, we're just talking culture. If we can define what we actually have strongest in common in the capabilities that are aggregation of behavior, that tells us what our culture actually is. Do you agree? Yeah. Okay. Now you're the CEO and you go, heck Mike, that's not what I want. Mm. You say, yeah. you know, there's about 20 people. 50 people, 100 people in my business that operate exactly how I want, okay? And I go, which ones are they, Brent? And you go, boom, 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 boom. And I go, okay, well, that group over there has this group of capabilities strongest in common. You go, yeah, that's what I want. And I go, okay, well, let's take that and let's compare your 5,000 people to it. Mate, here's your development plan. The, 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 the arrows in your quiver that you have to change that are development, Performance support, moving people around, Moneyball, or hiring new yep. people, Moneyball. Work toward improving your capability balance sheet toward what you your vision is. That's how you that's how you go about affecting. Because right now, what we do is we, my old company, great company, Cornerstone on Demand. I could tell you the hard skills all day long. Yeah. Right. I could say you need these hard skills. Here's what your gap is. This is what you need to train. I nobody can do that in the area of transferable human capabilities soft skills and it's and, and it's certainly a critical piece i can't think of any conversation that demonstrates that better demonstrates the absurdity of <laughs> trying to create a better employer culture by having pizza and beer day on friday i mean do, do you know what i mean like this is <laughs> It's, com it's complete antithesis. I mean, that's just, you know, that's a nice thing to do, obviously. You know, it could, and it could be part of your culture, but mm -hmm. it's not going to change your culture. Changing your culture is actually, this is what's so interesting is that culture <laughs> is thought of at first blush as this sort of wishy-washy, squishy thing that, yeah, 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 that's just, you know, snake oil. But but it isn't. It's very exact. It actually has to do with, you know, your attitudinal, um, you know, uh, manifestations. And that was an overly complex way of saying, you know, the way that your your employees act and what how they most um, naturally act in that workplace. That's what's uh, so interesting. And, and you can actually create you can actually by doing what you're talking about, you're actually getting from point A to point B in terms of employee, employer culture change as quickly as possible. Yeah, I, I'd actually say, I'd say you're getting, I agree, I'd say you're getting from point A to point E. Right, right. Right? Yeah. Because, yeah. 
what happens is I think there are there are solutions and approaches that touch on the the B or the C or the D or the E, right? Mm-hmm. They touch on them. But the problem is um, they have so much baggage in what needs to be done to convert it to the next step. We haven't looked at that full supply chain, right? And if, if you get mm-hmm. to, if, if you think about it, if you think about it, and cu- culture is a good one. It, it goes back to, it goes back to our logo. And this wasn't, I don't know why this, I wish I could say that the logo was that clearly articulated. The logo, we've come to realize that our logo is actually a really powerful uh, 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 vision of, of what we believe. It, it, it mm-hmm. came out at the start, but it wasn't that clear cut. I wish it could be. But um, if I think about, if I think about one of the things that I do um, when I, when I speak with people, um, leaders, and I, um, this is going to sound arrogant. I don't mean it to be, but, um, I'm, I'm, I'm getting old enough now where I don't have a lot of time to muck around. Okay. Um, and so, um, and so, um, there's a very simple question that I slip in generally, and that is what's the purpose of your people function? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I remember in 2019, um, uh, uh, I was in San Francisco and it was just like a heyday. Everybody, you know, candidates were walking down the street with five offers in their pocket. You know, anything tech, anything sales was just insane. People were picking up their dry cleaning at their houses as part of the package. And I was just like, oh, my God, what's happening here? You know, um, <laughs> but um, but what what I what I think is interesting is when they respond and they say employee engagement or retention or acquisition, if what happens is oftentimes you'll hear a portion of the people leaders focus on a tactical issue when at yeah, the end, yeah. the answer to the question should always and should never change from sustainable productivity. Yeah. That's yeah. all, that's all our people function is about is mm-hmm. we have a workforce. They're producing X. We either need to do more with the same or the same with less. Okay. Yeah. Now how we do that. Our premise is that if you find people that are inherently have inherent strong preference capability to what you need, you got to first define what you need, then that's a, that's a really good place to, to start building. And then if you want to go pick up their laundry to make them super happy, or you want to yeah. massage their toes while they're at the desk, all good. But start with that the pizza and beer. Because that's the, the pizza and beer. Yeah, that, that's the pizza and beer. Because yeah. the deal is, if you get people who inherently dig what they're doing, I love what I'm doing. I've never, yeah. I've always loved this space, but I love what I'm doing more than anything I've ever done in my life. Okay. Yeah. You can't yeah. stop me. You cannot <laughs> stop me right now. All right. I don't and if, doubt it. Yeah. And if you get a whole team like that or closer to that, you'll never get it all. Don't get me wrong. But if you can shift 20% of your workforce to really be in that passionate moment and then you give them beer, pizza and massage their feet. <laughs> okay, let's do that. <laughs> so here's, so here's a couple, I have a couple just completely, um, unre- well, it's all interrelated, but these are, these are like, this idea is way out here. Like this is what we're talking about. This idea is way out here and this idea is like in this other 
um, area of, of the of the discussion. So one is let's shift gears or let's go back a little bit. Okay. Um, as you mentioned, the questions that CFOs were asking you back in the early aughts, and and that was super interesting. But you also you, you kind of just glossed past, or you didn't mean to, but you just kind of went past the why? How did you convince them to buy from you in the first place? What what was the thing that 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 convinced persuaded CFOs that this was something to do? Because I think that's that's that that's critical. And it feeds into something that I want to get into. Okay, well, let's see if I'm if I'm going to feed you here. Um, uh, the people that we would table um, on uh, the project to go look at the organization were, you know, Berkeley, Harvard, Stanford, Wharton School of Business. They had all the credentials that said they're good, and they were good, by the way, but. Um, they didn't have any of the tools to have, or, or, well, they, they could, but we didn't go that far, but they didn't have any of the tools to provide quantitative evidence. So basically it's a lot like a resume, <laughs> quite frankly. And it, it is okay. that you got the credentials that everybody believes are the credentials you need to have. So you must be good. Mm -hmm. That's old school, mate. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. The CFO, the CFO or the head of business would buy because they like us, because we had credentials, um, because we delivered on time, because our recommendations made general sense. We have to train people, right? Okay. We know we have to train people. It makes sense that if we train them in things that experts have told us is important, that they'll get better. So all that. So yeah. Sorry to interrupt, uh, but 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 I think you hit it on on that. This is so. This was actually a little bit more straightforward than I thought it was going to be. I didn't know what it was going to be, but it's a little bit more straightforward than I thought. Training is. This is just sort of a, a traditionally, conventionally. This is understood as sort of a, a postulate of business, right? We have to train our people, you know, right? So that's how. Okay, all right. Um, okay, okay, but let me let, let, let's just look at this for a second. All right. Okay. Uh, just for a second. So let's just take this one step further. So Brent and Mike are both managers in the same company, in the same division. Okay. And we're both about to get training. And I'm going to go back to what HR often tells me they care about. Not so much today, but it used to be employee engagement is everything, right? Yeah, All right. Yeah, so, yeah. so it still is a little bit, but that's secondary in my mind. Um, it, it, like you said, it's tactical. It's a tactical, yeah. um, you know, uh, component of or or indication of culture. I, I, I think so. And again, like everything, depending on the environment and what it needs, uh, employee engagement could be the most important thing in the world. But my view would be that's only when you have people with the right capabilities in the right jobs or as many of those, because then you want to soup, then you're ready to put fuel on the fire. No point in putting fuel on the fire when you don't have enough wood, right? You're, yeah. gonna, you're just going to burn out the wood. Okay, so you and I are you and I are managers in the same same role, um, same company. Um, right now, uh, uh, Digital Think comes in and says to the CFO, "We got to train your management." The manager goes, "Great. What we're going to do is we're going to basically train them on leading others. We're going to train them on personal communication. We're going to train them on working with teams and achieving plans." Mm -hmm. Sounds pretty reasonable, right? Okay. Yeah. You, you and I, 
um, our head of you know leadership enablement or whatever comes in and says, Brent and Mike, we're going to take you through this program. You and I get sheep dipped in this program. Okay. And we both do the same amount of stuff. Now you're a lot better at um, leading others than I am. I'm better at working with teams. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. What happens is um, when you're going through the leading with others, you know, and you get to sort of the second module of seven, you're going, man, I, this is going to kill me. I don't like this stuff. I don't need, I already know how to do this. Right. Right. Now I'm eating it up. All right. When it comes to, when it comes to working with teams, you're going, oh, this is really good. I'm getting Mm. value from this. And I'm going, don't give me this. I've been, I've been sailing and playing football and working with people for years. I know how to do this. Right. So what ends up happening is we're not throttling the the supply of high impact content and i'm just talking about development but the same applies to to um performance support right same thing applies so i'm not throttling it based on the need and what the effect of that has is if i'm flooding brent with stuff that he's already inherently good at um you know it's a waste of money and it's a waste of his time and he gets frustrated however if i know brent needs um, a sheep dip and recurring sheep dip on working with teams <clears throat> and it helps him perform in his job. He's going to love the company because the company's given him what he needs to be more successful. Okay. Does that yeah. help? Yeah, it does help. And now we're getting into, <clears throat> this is where it's, um, so what's interesting here is and we're getting off on a, on a, on a tangent, but well, <laughs> not a tangent, but there's it's a different line of thinking that I, then I, but, but let's go with this, right? So, so you can add it. You get, well, listen, you got curation of content, right? Yep. You have technologies that are curating content as, according to what the individual content, uh, learning content um, consumer, not, not in, in a business context, right? It has been trying has been looking at so so you have that curation engine that's that's tailoring tailoring the content to what the learning content to what that learning content consumer has been consuming as content on his or her own volition right and so we have and so how do we know so here's a question i have is what you're talking about is sort of a a, um central command uh, that might not be the right word but a central command approach where where the organization is figuring out through through a psycho, psychometric analysis of the person what they need to learn, right? And then, but you also have this proliferation of curation technology in the learning space right now that is yeah. that is tailoring the learning content to what the person is already learning. Do we know whether, do we know, is there any research out there that says that what the person is consuming on their own volition is learning content aligns with what this psychometric evaluation says they need to learn. Yeah, no, no, well, I certainly haven't done it, but that is, I I hadn't really gone that far yet, but um, uh, I think that's a great idea. The way I I would probably look at it, Brent, is I would say, let's segment the, whether it's command and control or decentralized, I think in, there are different ways of approaching it, right? And actually the right way to do it is to blend it. You want to feed up to the individual as uh, much data as you have about where they sit, what's needed for their success within their job, 
and let them consume. But then, of course, from the company standpoint, you know, we're going to this is our core program. We're going to deliver this. Right. And mm-hmm. the, the, the magic, the magic, in my opinion, whether it's hard technical skills or transferable human capabilities, the magic is to give the people function the ability to identify, hey, you know what? Mike's not doing what he actually should be doing. Right. Yeah. That's the interventions where come in. Okay. But let me just ask you a question. I would say right now for the technical and the hard skills that that full spectrum as to command and control and decentralized and even being able to see that Mike's not doing what he needs to do is available. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. Cornerstone rocks at that. Love it. Right. All that data is available. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now say the same thing for transferable or human capabilities. Is that available today? No. Yeah. No. Yeah, exactly. People are saying, oh, here's a capability framework. Use Lominger, use your own, use whatever it is. Cool. But there's no quantitative way to um, evidence uh, two critical pieces. One, what's required in your environment? Sure. There's tons of research that says for to be an effective salesperson, here are the capabilities. I guarantee you that what I've done in our company is to show that the difference between a sales force in a, a SaaS sales executive in Cornerstone, SAP, Oracle, and Salesforce all have critical di- uh, transferable skills differences. Why? Mm. Because the cultures are different. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm with you 100%. What you're describing right now is interesting also that in terms of the soft skills. Hold on. Sorry. We're, we're in the. Hold on just a sec. Some guy lost his dog. Are you looking for a dog, mate? The dog's right behind you. No, 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 I'm good. I'm just on a conference call, buddy. No, that's all right. Have a good day. Welcome to Australia. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, we're Okay. We're already in the matrix, if you will, the, the internet, the, the hyperbole. But so, so it's not quite like it was when training started getting really big in mm-hmm. – on the work in the workforce, right in the workplace, but in terms of uh, in terms of uh, our attitude toward it, toward it, or our understanding, or our approach to it, our approach to it, right, to learning soft skills, you know, that is in its nascent in in that the organization is is uh, it's sort of an organization one to many. It's it's a top-down, it's a central command um, situation right now. But perhaps it'll evolve into eventually where culturally, macro-culturally, where individual employees across all industry will start to seek out some of these soft skills on their own with the, with the understanding that is for their for the optimization of their work. Um, Brent, I just lost you a little bit, and I, I got 4G here, so it might be you. But I, th- I, I think I think what um, what I heard is um, more your 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 metaphor around command and control versus decentralized. So let's let's go look at um, the future of work, right? Um, okay. And I was just having a conversation with one of my customers last night, and it it kind of goes something like like this. And he, um, I, uh, so your question is, will individuals seek to improve themselves um, 
and take training and development to better make them capable. What I would suggest is that's a good example of a book that Carol Dweck wrote called Growth Mindset, right? Okay. Right? In other words, does someone have a curiosity and an interest and a commitment? So out of there, there was curiosity, self-development, growth, and discipline to do it. All three of those capabilities are, in my view, of all the things that have been said about future work, those are three areas that are attributes of, of necessary for uh, effectiveness in the future work. Okay? So when I said to James just yesterday, I saw him in the city, and he's a recruiter. And he goes, Mike, you know, I'm, I, 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 I love the tool, and I'm providing quantitative evidence to my clients, but it's kind of making me work hard. And I go, what do you mean, James? And he goes, well, if I get 10 candidates in, I, I, I only get like three that actually have what the client needs. And I go, yeah, that's right. And I said, if you yeah. look at the population, I can tell you from our data that about 30% of the population is actually at a development need level in terms of critical thinking and problem solving. Scares yeah. the heck out of me, but that's the reality, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then actually I could even show you that about 60% of the population is below average, average or below in that. Yeah. Right? Now yeah. that's a really scary component. So what I'm saying is I'm... that you have to recognize that when you take on looking at, at these things, you're, you know, <laughs> you can't expect everybody to be high. And so... <laughs> So what's going to happen to your to your to your question is that I would suggest that probably 30% of the population is is going to maybe 40 is going to be actively committed and curious to grow and develop and have the discipline to do that on their own the yeah. rest ain't That's right that's right and and it, and it doesn't it doesn't follow that um that that they, the same percentage would be maybe motivated to acquire new hard skills, right? Because that's a little that's a little bit more of a uh, of a there's more of a of a uh, a line of sight from from the lack to 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 having, right? So so I, just as a sort of corollary to what you're saying, I, I totally agree. Yeah, with you. I, I don't. I mean, again, the the, the line of sight. Um, respectfully and humbly is available now through AbilityMap. And I'm not trying to push us. I'm just saying that's what we needed to do. So that's mm -hmm. what we've done. So I, I would, I would kind of think that um, if a person became aware that working with teams was critical to uh, being effective in this new job they wanted, it, it, it would be, um, I'm not, I'm not clear that it would be any different than it being just another hard skill that they have to develop. I think, I think, I think it would probably go that same way. The bigger issue is, and this is where the command, this is where the magic of the command and control versus decentralized comes in, right? If yeah. both, if both the yin and the yang know what's needed for performance in a role and the, the, the HR department can see that Mike isn't in the top 30% who's curious, has a growth mindset and has the discipline to enable it, then the re the whole reason for Cornerstone 
is to en enable the command and control to feed Mike development interventions consistently over time in short, sharp bursts that help him develop a skill that can be developed, but needs to be maintained because he doesn't have an apparent preference in that area. That's critical. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it, 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 in, as, as with any, as with any other uh, learning focused company, um, it was, this is just fascinating stuff. I just looked at the time and we're, We've, we've already gone over by a, by a couple minutes here. <laughs> um, you know what? Let's do another one of these sometime. There's a, yeah, there's there's a couple of things. There's a couple of things I want to get into. We didn't get in. We didn't really. And, and, and we won't today because I think this is enough that we, we've covered a lot of ground. But I want to get into AI and I also want to just get a little bit more into the the idea of the CFO and and in in more in line of what what is the decision making process in an organization that 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 can potentially feed into into this a movement into this area yeah great i mean i think the only thing i'd say is that the the cfo conversation i think has broadened um in 2002-3 it was the cfo okay however what we're seeing now is it's heads of business. So it could be the COO driving the decision. It could be the, uh, you know, the head of sales driving the decision. It could be the head of development um, because for the most part, they're measured on and rewarded on productivity within those divisions more than they ever have been. Mm -hmm. Because of the systems that we have in place that measure productivity that may not have been around 15, 20 years ago, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, at the, the interesting part is, and this I think has caused a chasm to uh, grow in my 20 years in the human capital, human HR space, is that there's always been a question of um, value, credibility as to how HR really helps the line. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. so and, and what that means is HR, we need to show up with the equivalent of Salesforce or SAP for production or finance, or we have to mm -hmm. show up with quantitative data backing the recommendations that we're making to the line to allocate their people's time and to spend money from them because it has an impact on productivity. That whole side has been fine on, um, fine on hard and technical skills, no big deal. You know, you got to learn, you know, Python. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. but how come I got a third of my workforce that I wouldn't rehire? Right. 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 It, speaking directly to the, um, the, 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 the inadvertent bad hire, right. Yeah. At the, at the, at the, at the, and you're singing my song around, around HR showing up with, with hard data analytics. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, HR is at a at a crossroads right now. I mean, you know, they could I could miss the train, but it has a super opportunity of um, of uh, being at the forefront if it negotiates its uh, next steps correctly. I would say Mike, I would say, I would say yeah. mate, one last thing. I think HR is on a, the precipice of an absolutely incredible opportunity and transformation. And yeah. it's about um, it's a it's about the top level of Maslow's hierarchy. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Lovely. I, I love it. 
Thank you, Mike. Thank you for Thank joining you. us. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks, mate. I really, I've enjoyed, I hope, I hope the audience has enjoyed it and I hope you get some good edits out of this, but um, yeah, I'll just, I'll sign off with G'day from Australia. <laughs> G'day from New England. <laughs> Attaboy. All right. Take care, mate. You too, Mike.